You're listening to the Jewel City Podcast. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. or 6 p.m. We have something for all people and all ages. Or join our live stream at 10 a.m. In this podcast, we'll hear a message from Pastor Rita. Anybody in the house seen the resurrected Lord this morning? Welcome to Sunrise Service at Jewel City. I'm going to ask you all to stand, and I'm going to ask you to look toward the heavens, and let's applaud the risen Savior this morning, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. I've just seen Jesus. I tell you, He's alive. You got more in you than that? Come on. Are you asleep? You may be seated. I've already asked the Lord to be here. I came in a little early. I've anointed the message this morning. It's gonna be a little different. I wanna begin by saying, what a day that first sunrise service. Do you have an imagination? Can you walk with me back to that first sunrise service never had there been a day like this day before I can only imagine let's walk back though to Good Friday for just a moment before it leads us to the Easter sunrise service I don't know about you but I keep a journal and I know a lot of you keep a journal Let's just imagine this morning, for just a moment, that Mary Magdalene kept the journal. What would her journal be like? Here's what I think she might add to her journal. Mary might say, I remember that Good Friday. I remember Nicodemus. He finally stepped out of the shadow. You see, Nicodemus, they called him the night disciple because anytime he came to Jesus, he came by night. He was a ruler in the synagogue and didn't want to be seen with this so-called Messiah. So finally, every time we read of Nicodemus, it's in the night. But finally, on Good Friday, he steps out of the shadows and he joins with Joseph of Arimathea and they go before Pilate and they beg his body they said you've already done all the damage you can do we hardly can recognize him he looks as if he's a raw piece of meat hanging there please give us his body reluctantly Joseph of Arimathea nodded that they could have his body and finally, the two men made their way back to the crucifixion site and just in time to see the Roman guards as they take down his bloody, torn body from the cross. First, the Roman soldiers removed from the cross his hands, the spikes that held his wrists to the tree. And his arms fell loosely and limply and his head and his chest drooped then they wrapped a cloth around his torso removing the spikes from his feet the air smelled fresh blood 
You ever smelled blood? Ever been to the scene of an accident? The air smelled of blood. It was blood from Emmanuel's veins. One of my favorite old times hymns is there is a fountain filled with blood flowing from Emmanuel's veins. Blood was everywhere. The soldiers then hammered the spikes from his feet and his body began to slither down the cross as the soldiers tried desperately to hold to the bloody cloth and the towel and lower his bloody body onto the ground. But on the ground, there were outstretched, loving arms ready to receive their beloved Lord and Savior, the Messiah. Nicodemus himself brought at least 100 pounds of oils and anointment and spices, but they had to hurry to get his broken body at least partially prepared before the sun went down and the Sabbath began to dawn. There was no time for a proper burial for Jesus. There was no time for a funeral for Jesus. He had attended several funerals himself, but there was no time for him to have a funeral. There were no hired mourners. There were no one, there was no music, no funeral. Blood from the Messiah was staining the clothes of all that was involved. There was blood on Nicodemus, blood on Joseph of Arimathea, blood on the Marys, but they didn't care. They counted it an honor and a privilege. Aren't you thankful this morning? And don't you count it an honor and a privilege that his blood has covered you? That your names are written down in his book of life and covered with the blood. Also, as Mary continues in her journal, she said, I found that amazing that when he cried, it is finished. The ground shook when Jesus went into the earth and the ground shook when Jesus came out of the earth. Said looking ahead three days later, she was trying to picture Jesus. Now they placed him in Joseph's borrowed tomb and Joseph and Nicodemus went home and the disciples scurried back to Jerusalem. They had been hiding somewhere because there was afraid, they were afraid that somewhere there was a cross, perhaps with their name on it. They too would be crucified or punished in some way if they were noted as followers of Christ. So they were back in Jerusalem hiding behind closed doors. The disciples walked away in disbelief. We believed him. We thought he was the Messiah. We thought he was the King of Kings. What happened? Mary's journal continues. She said, but the women stayed behind. The women stayed and they wept. And then finally, when they, it got dark, no one thought to bring a lantern. When it got dark, they left the garden. Okay, Saturday seemed like a nightmare. There was all kinds of commotion in the city of Jerusalem. Can you imagine the headlines of the Jerusalem Times that day, how the, the, the headlines read that day when they picked up the Times and read it? This imposter has finally been gone. This imposter has been crucified. We are finally read of this so-called Messiah. The whole city was crazy. Some were rejoicing. And then there were some that were crying and hiding. What was happening? 
But the three Marys got together. The three women got together and they conjured a plan. They said, what we're going to do is we're going to buy some spices and some ointment. And they decided who was going to buy what and we're going to meet at a certain time and we're going to go to the graveyard early in the morning. Okay, so they decided to go to the market square and purchase these more uh, uh, ointment that they might properly cover Messiah's body. I, I journaled, I read, and I googled, and it said that they purchased cinnamon, cloves, myrrh, aloe, and cassia. They purchased all these spices, and then they were going to bravely walk to the graveyard together. This time, they brought lanterns. Third, it's Sunday morning a.m., and Jerusalem was not yet awake. Even the 11 disciples were sound asleep, but the women lanterns held high were on their way to the graveyard what a sight what a shock when they went to the graveyard it says that there was let me tell you what they saw they saw angels big angels comforting angels they were empty tombs and the cadaver on the inside of the grave was gone little did they know that Jesus got up early that morning before they did. Sometimes before they arrived at the gravesite, his buried body began to breathe. And his body came out of the grave clothes that Nicodemus and Joseph had so gently and lovingly wrapped around him. And before leaving the grave, he neatly folded them and placed the napkin that covered his beautiful, swollen, bloody face to one side. She said, I knew then, in order for there to be an Easter day, there had to be a Good Friday. Let's see a picture of the women at the tomb. This morning, the title of my message is The Day the Sun Rose Twice. The text this morning is Mark 16, 1 to 2. And when the Sabbath was passed, Mary Magdalene and Mary, the mother of James and Salome, had brought sweet spices that they might come and anoint him. And very early in the morning, the first day of the week, they come into the sepulcher at the rising of the sun. Yes, the sun rose twice that day. I'm certain that all of us will agree that this morning, before we came to this place, or even as we're in this place, the S-U-N has risen. And we're going to have a beautiful Easter day. It was the master, the creator himself, that created the sun. And now the creator of the sun, the S-O-N, has risen that day as well. Now Mark is felt to be the oldest, not in chronological age, but Mark was the oldest of the four Gospels, and his account of that first sunrise service is a little different than the other Gospels, Matthew, Luke, and John. You see, Mark is not is as informative as the other three, and he as, is not as clear or concisive as the other three Gospels. His Gospel reads that three, the three women, after speaking with the angel, left the tomb in fear and trembling. He doesn't mention where the women went. 
He doesn't mention anything about um, the missing. Uh, all he mentions is the missing cadaver. No soldiers, no, or no talking tombs or whatever. Don't you think that it's ironic, I wrote down here, that the dead man was gone. <laughs> and the two soldiers that were to guard the dead man were as dead men themselves. They looked dead. But the cadaver that morning was gone. Oh, what a morning. But we're going to mention Mark in just a little bit closer to the end. Now let's look at what John says about this same blessed event, that first sunrise service. I want you to picture this, John says. There's three women entering the graveyard. The dew from the wet grass penetrates their sandals. Their exposed toes gets wet with bits and pieces of wet, slippery grass. There's grass on and between their toes. And the uneven terrain gets a little more slippery in certain places, and the women have to lean on each other for support. And their cold, chilly hands reach down all the way into their pockets to make certain that the spices were still there, the spices they had purchased from the marketplace earlier that next, the day prior so they could finish their work. And as these three women make their way, can you see it on that first sunrise service? As the three women make their way to the tomb, there's conversation. At first, it's in a little bit of law because they're still stricken with amazement and grief and full of questions. They're scratching their heads when all of a sudden they were talking and you could hear, let's eavesdrop for just a minute on their conversation. What are they saying? They're saying things like, oh, Friday was awful. It was so bloody. They remembered the blood as it came down his side. We've got to remember Good Friday to get to Easter Sunday. So here they are, they're imagining, they're going back a couple days. They said the blood went everywhere. There was blood. He didn't even look like himself. His head was swollen and from the crown of thorns. He couldn't see. And his arms were so outstretched that when he needed to wipe his nose or when he needed to wipe his eyes, when he was crying or when the blood was done, he just had to let it flow. It got in his eyes. They were red. They were just so astonished at what an awful sight they had seen. They spoke of his last words. And I say this sometimes at Easter, I like this. Jesus is hanging on the cross and he doesn't have long to live now. Let's just say he has three minutes to live. And all of a sudden they hear the Messiah, this so-called Messiah, they said. They hear him saying something and they listen. They say, listen, what's he saying? What's he saying? And Jesus lifts his head and it just took minutes to live. He said, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. Forgive the one that pounded the spikes. Forgive them, Father. Now maybe he had two minutes to live. Surely now he would think of himself. He would pray for himself. Maybe he would call angels down. But no, he didn't. What he did, he heard a voice on his right. And he looked over to his right and he saw another man dying with just minutes to live. And their eyes locked for just a moment. And the one on his right looked over and said, Lord, remember me. And Jesus quit dying long enough to look to his right and say, today you will be with me 
in paradise. Now he only has one minute to live. Surely now he would think of himself. But he looked down and he saw his mama at the foot of the cross. Then he looked over at John. He said, John, take mama home with you. Take care of my mother. Look after her. Mama, go home with John. He'll take good care of you. And as they continued their journey, they even spoke. I wonder which one of the men we could have got to come with us, one of the 11 disciples. wonder which one we could have gotten. Maybe Peter, he's pretty strong. And Thomas was the one that had the reputation of kind of being fearless. They said maybe Thomas would have come, but nobody came. And the air, when the, as they walked, I know sometimes when I have anointing oil in my pocket, it spills. It has spilled in my purse before. And when I open my purse, it reeks with anointing oil. It reeks with the anointing, and I love it. I bet when they reached in their pockets, all that uneven terrain, I bet they could feel and smell as this incense and all of the myrrh and the cloves and the cassia spilled in their pockets. It reeked in the air. And it seemed as if Messiah's blood was still crying from the ground. Their nervous chatter then switched to another subject. Oh my, when we get there, how are we going to anoint his body? Do you think that, who's going to roll the stone away? We watched them Romans. We watched as the Romans. It took three or four of them just to shove that doom in place. And then when it was round and you could see through the cracks, they put wax all around there. And then they put a big Roman seal there so that no one would break that seal because they were afraid that someone might steal Jesus and then say that he had risen from the dead. I believe these ladies had swollen faces. They had had no sleep. They had cried. And their eyes were bloodshot. They burned. They stank. And I just put here as I tried to picture them that their ha the hair that spilled out from underneath their headpiece was damp and stuck to their face. But still, the massive stone was the hub of their conversation. Yet off in the distance, when they could see his tomb or what they thought was his tomb, was it his grave? Was it the wrong grave? Did they remember properly where their Savior was buried? Dare they go any further? Something's wrong. The seal had been broken. Who dare break a Roman seal? Should they go back and get Peter and John? What should they do? Should they go even further? Why, the stone was rolled away. It was moved and rolled to one side, and there was an angel sitting on the tomb. I didn't know angels sat, but this one sat. He sat on the stone, and it says, not only did he sit, but he talked. And he said, the greatest words, some of them that have ever been spoken, and that is, whom do you seek? And why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but he has gone. In the Greek, I like this. I listened to it all weekend. He didn't say he has risen. In the Greek, the angel used one word, and it was egerthe. Egerthe. He has risen. The woman could hardly believe their eyes. Yes, the sun rose twice that day. The S-U-N rose while they were there. And the S-O-N rose before they got there. 
The women, you see, went to see a dead Jesus. And then when they went back to Jerusalem, the disciples went to see a missing Jesus, an MIA. Jesus is missing in action. Where is he? And after they all leave, Mary lingers behind. It was more than she could bear. She just didn't understand. She didn't remember the words of Jesus. Too often we don't remember his words either. And all of a sudden in her peripheral vision, she sees something over on her left. And she just now makes an incorrect assumption. She assumes he is the gardener. And she looked over and she said, where have you laid my Jesus? Did you see anybody take away the Messiah? He is gone. Where is my Jesus? Still, she was unaware. I said, the lights were on, but she wasn't shopping. Okay, still, she didn't understand until she heard that voice say, Mary, she knew that voice. And she went to hug and embrace him. She still couldn't believe it. Was she dreaming? Was she home in bed having a dream? And he said, don't touch me. I have not yet ascended unto my father. I'm going to go and I'm going to present my blood before the throne. I'm going to do this and that. He had more work to do today. So I'm not going to be much longer. And I said today, what about you on this Easter Sunday? I'm sure that most of us, if you made your way out to a sunrise service, you know the resurrected Savior, or else somebody made you come. Maybe you come for breakfast. I don't know. My mother made me go to a lot of church services. I don't know. Did you come to see a dead Jesus? Did you come to see a Jesus missing in action like some agnostics believe? I believe there is a God or a supreme being somewhere, but he has nothing to do with me. I want to tell you this morning, Jesus is not dead. I want to tell you this morning, he is not MIA. He is at the right hand of the Father this morning, making intercession for you and for me. And he knows your name. Just as he knows Mary's name, he knows your name this morning. And he's praying for you. I want to say today, I I just want to say, I wrote this down because I heard this on TV yesterday. We are Christians. Christians are Easter people living in a Good Friday world. I had other people say to me, I don't understand that. What that says to me are, we should be Easter resurrection people. We should be people happy, full of peace, full of joy. But all too often, we live in a Good Friday world where we lack peace, we lack joy, we lack comfort. I just want to take one bunny trail. Give me three or four more minutes. I want to take a bunny trail. I was called to the hospital to speak to a woman who was dying. And I went two or three different times to go. And the last time I went, I saw her laying in bed. I never did see her face because she was always covered with some kind of oxygen or a CPAP or a BiPAP. She always had something massive on her face because she couldn't breathe. And everyone was a a little concerned about her husband. He didn't want to talk about death and dying and Jesus. And and the nurse came in and said to this woman, she had what they call hemoptysis. She was spitting blood everywhere and blood was going everywhere. They had the 
Oh, blood was everywhere. I turned my head a few times. And the, the family was saying, get to her. And I'd already prayed the sinner's prayer with her. I'd already led her to the Lord. And the nurse came in and said to her, rather bluntly, I thought. She said, ma'am, you're dying. She said, you probably have three or four minutes to live. And you can choose the way you die. And I thought she was rather, and, and she started shaking. And there were pieces of equipment attached to the bed. And they were shaking. And the kids were crying and awful. And one thing I said, I just lifted my head and I said, God, we need your peace. Now, I thought the peace would come. I'm a believer. But I, I, I guess I just thought it would kind of creep in the door. But uh, Jesus opened up heaven and he opened up the roof of UHC and phew, peace came into the room. <sighs> I mean, it, 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 um, I was talking with Pastor Aaron. I said, I was amazed. He said, maybe you're not so much amazed. You were in awe. I mean, peace. It was just like you could reach out and grab lots of them, stick it in your pocket, and take it home with you. And one person in the room, one nurse said, what's happening here? It was an Easter moment. It was not a Good Friday moment. It was an Easter moment. And all of a sudden, the woman took her mask off. And I said, ma'am, you know you're ready to go, right? She said, yes. And I said, you know that heaven's going to be your home when you shut those precious eyes. She said, yes, I do. That peace was so real in that room. The peace was real. It wasn't long. I stepped out of the room so more family would come in. She died about four or five minutes later. When I went to the funeral the other day, I had the funeral. The undertaker said to me, her husband, who is an unbeliever, wants to see you in this side room by yourself for a moment. He said, you're going to be all right. And I said to the undertaker, if I'm not out in five minutes, come get me. So I went in and he looked at me and I think he took me to the side room because he didn't want people to see him crying. And this big, strong, tough man that everybody was afraid of put his hand on my shoulder. And he said, I don't know what you did. And I don't know what you said to my wife. But she changed. Two days ago, she clung to life and she didn't want to die. And she was scared and crying and nervous and shaking. He said, but right before she died, she was given orders telling the kids what to do. And she said, I'm ready to go now. I'm ready to die. And she, he said, I, there was something in that room. And he went on and on. And he said, I just wanted to thank you. I just wanted to say thanks. He didn't want to do it publicly. That's all right. So we both walked out of there. So I just want to say, what does the tomb look like today? Actually today. I've been to Israel. What's the tomb look like? This is what the tomb looks like today. I've been inside that tomb. My guide says, I don't understand you people. You could pay thousands of dollars and come thousands of miles to see nothing because the grave is empty. Let's see this next slide. I found myself, I think an Israeli soldier and I borrowed his hat. Had my picture taken with this good looking dude. Unfortunately, he's probably very busy this morning fighting for his land. The next one you see, 
is my sister coming out of the tomb of the resurrected Savior. In conclusion, yes, the sun rose twice that first Easter sunrise. I like to think that when Mary went to the tomb that morning with spices in hand, this is good, she entered a graveyard. She could smell the cloves, the aloe, the frankincense. She could smell all of that. But, however, things changed that morning once and for all because when they, she entered a graveyard, but she left a garden. You see, when she left, I believe what she could smell was the rose of Sharon and the lily of the valley. So she went to a graveyard and left a garden. So the sun, the S-U-N, will rise as the S-O-N instructs. But my mother used to tell me when I was a little girl, she would take my face and she said, sweetheart, Jesus has risen, but he, if he has not risen in your heart, Easter's just another holiday. Has the S-O-N risen in your heart? Carrie's going to come, and the singers or whoever is going to sing, and as they're on their way, I just want to tell you that the altar is open. I believe that probably most of us on a sunrise service would know Jesus but if you don't, the altar is open. There are people here that are willing to pray with you and for you. And may I say to you today as we close in prayer that I believe that Mary's last entry in her journal read something like this. I've just seen Jesus. I tell you, he's alive. Would you bow your heads with me, please? Father, thank you. I thank you this morning for a mother that took me to church when I didn't want to go. I'm thankful that as a teenager, she still showed the way. I'm thankful that one day the S-O-N rose in my heart that Easter is not just another holiday. It's the most important day on the calendar. Had he not risen again, we would be men without hope and most miserable. We applaud you, Jesus. We applaud you, God, for the plan of salvation. If there's any here that doesn't know you today, I pray they find you on this Easter Sunday so that in their hearts they can say, the sun has risen twice today. Thank you for listening to the Jewel City Podcast. You can join us in person Sundays at 10 a.m. or 6 p.m. We have something for all people and all ages. Or join our live stream at 10 a.m. 